Hello and welcome to Lauren.Live, the spirituality, health, and lifestyle podcast. Today's guest is Stephanie Calabro, and she is a great friend of mine. Hi, Steph. Hey. Thank you for being here. <laughs> of course. I'm so stoked to be here. <laughs> um, today's uh, topic is really um, special and touching uh, for many people, for me uh, specifically. I can speak to my experience, but uh, I've been through some similarities, not the same story, but I, I have some understanding uh, of what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about infertility, pregnancy loss, miscarriages, um, and just the whole fertility process, having a baby, um, and uh, rainbow babies. If, if people don't know what that is, that is when you have a baby after either losing a baby um, you know, full term or miscarriage. Um, so there is a happy ending to the story. Um, but Stephanie has been through quite the journey, um, with her husband and I'm going to let her speak to that, of course, but, uh, she's kind enough to, to be here today to share her story and be vulnerable. So thank you for doing that. Um, when I was thinking of topics, uh, for the podcast, this is one I really wanted to highlight because I know there are so many people and not just women, the husbands or the partners, uh, or it could be two, two women together or two men that maybe are, you know, there, there's all combinations these days, but, um, both partners definitely have a part, but, uh, obviously when you're going through it physically, um, there's just that extra emotional story. And I, I wanted to make sure I highlighted that, um, in this podcast, I know there's so many people that are going through it right now that have been through it or that will go through it. And I just think your story uh, is very touching and there's a lot of hope. And uh, it's important that we have this conversation and continue to talk about this stuff so people don't feel alone. It's very, very common. I mean, we have what two of us right here that have both had a miscarriage. You've had more than one, but. Uh, that in itself should show that this is very common and it's normal and it's okay and it's something we should feel comfortable talking about. So um, I'm going to hand the mic over to you, Stephanie. Uh, we're just going to start talking about your story, uh, start wherever you want, um, and we'll just kind of, we'll go from there. Yeah, I think also like this is just great timing for me, thinking through everything and reflecting on everything that we've been through. My daughter Lenny is uh, two and a half months old. Um, but also with Mother's Day coming up, we're recording this right now Perfect. where Mother's Day is coming up this weekend. And um, for me in particular, you know, that's always kind of been a milestone as I've been on this journey. A lot of times been a painful milestone. Um, this year, of course, will be a celebratory one. So I think it's important to have this conversation uh, now of all times as well. Um, it's interesting time. Yeah, so <laughs> Mother's Day, yeah. Yep. Happy Mother's Day to everybody um, in any form that you're a mother, but uh, happy Mother's Day because this will be coming on a Friday and then Monday is, or I mean, excuse me, Sunday is Mother's Day. So yes, for everything that you do, now we can finally <laughs> understand it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. So our story really um, begins 
quite a while ago. And so stuff, I'm you know what? I'm so sorry. I was just telling it's very candid. I forgot. I was so excited. I just started getting into the topic. I should give a quick intro. I apologize. Um, I, I know you, but others may not, of course. Um, Stephanie and I go way back. We actually knew each other. Uh, we've known each other since fifth grade and uh, got you know even closer in junior high and high school. And we have um, a special group of friends that stayed in touch, which is really cool. So she's a dear friend of mine. And um, we were both uh, pretty much most of our lives raised in the Northwest here. And um, Stephanie has worked at Adobe for eight years, which is just amazing uh, in user experience. And um, she's traveled around the world. Um, she has a wonderful husband, a wonderful family, and uh, she's a dear friend to many. So I did want to just give a quick background on Steph. And uh, of course, now she is a new mother uh, to Lenny, a little girl who is two months old. So uh, sorry about that, but I wanted to make sure I, I said a little intro. Thank you. <laughs> Made me sound great. You are. <laughs> uh, yeah, so our story begins, um, well, let's say I'm going to go back to college really fast. And just, I was uh, right, at, right at the beginning of college. Um, I had like gained a lot of weight and noticed like some things happening with my period being really irregular. And so I went to the doctor and I was diagnosed with um, something called PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome. And it's super, super common amongst women. Um, at the time, I didn't think too much of it. They kind of told me like, I may have issues getting pregnant in the future, but here's the birth control pill. And that was not even on my radar at the time. So I didn't really worry about it. And then fast forward to uh, 2017, Anthony, my husband and I had been together for like seven years at that point. We had been married for, for a year and we were going on a trip to Hawaii and I thought, hey, like we, this may take us a while. I remember that doctor's appointment. I've been on birth control forever. Let's pull the pill and uh, see what happens. And um so that's kind of where we started. We didn't set out like intentionally trying. We were just like, okay, let's pull the goalie as they say and see what happens. Um, so we did that. Um, and then a year passed and nothing happened. So that's when I kind of started like, oh, maybe we should like, maybe I did a couple Google searches to see like, what, how does it work? How do you get pregnant? <laughs> um, and so I started kind of keeping track of my cycles, um, noticed that because of the PCOS, my cycles were, can, came back very irregular. And so like, sometimes it would be like 65 day cycles, which is super long. And sometimes it would be 28 days. Um, and, so yeah, we just kind of continued on that journey, like did some um, ovulation tests and that's where you like pee on the stick every day until it tells you when you ovulate and then you try and have sex uh, <laughs> right at the right time. Um, I had a really hard time getting a positive ovulation test. Um, and that was just kind of like a really weird and frustrating time, um, especially because like we were in our early thirties and like a lot of our friends were just getting pregnant stat. And it already had like <laughs> three time. babies. A lot of our friends by then. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It was really hard. And um, yeah, those fresh, those friendships, I think like struggled a little bit just because 
eventually, like after so long, it kind of became like we didn't have as much in common. And like, I was really struggling with this stuff. And sometimes I would like pretend that I didn't want a kid and just cause I didn't want to have the conversation or, um, you know, other times I would talk about things that we had tried, but then, you know, you get a bunch of advice and sometimes that's also hard to hear. Um, so yeah, it was a really trying time, but you know, we, stayed positive and and I had already always kind of known that we would have issues. Um, so I started looking into what would be the next step. And that is, um, you know, going to a reproductive um, fertility clinic for assistance to see like what actually was going on. Um, for and During that time, I actually went and saw an OB who confirmed um, the PCOS via ultrasound. And, um, yeah, that was really interesting because I hadn't been to a doctor about it in like 10 years. And she was basically like, well, you guys could try having sex for 20 days in a row. And no we were pressure. Like, uh, <laughs> that's intense. <Yeah. laughs> so, you know, we try it as many times as possible. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so eventually I decided, um, we were going to, the next step was really to go to the fertility clinic and, um, right then also when you're at Adobe for five years, you get a sabbatical. Mm -hmm. So it just so happened that like my sabbatical was coming up and I was like, okay, this is awesome. I'm going to have like my last hurrah. I'm going to travel the world and then I'm going to come back. I'm going to go to this fertility clinic and I'm going to be pregnant. <laughs> and so I went on that sabbatical, like had the trip of my life, came back. And of course it was not as easy <laughs> as, as I thought it was going to be. Um, so we went to the clinic and they did all of these tests, um, lots of ultrasounds. We did um, a test where they like put a catheter in your uterus and fill it with dye. And then they watch the dye go in through the fallopian tubes into the ovaries to make sure that there's no blockages in the fallopian tubes. Um, we had various genetic testing done between the two of us. And um, basically what we determined that was that it was, it was the PCOS and like the, the problem was me ovulating and, knowing when the ovulation was in order to time it with um, intercourse. So our first protocol that we decided to go on was in 2000. So it was in 2019, in April of 2019, and it was called timed intercourse. <laughs> and basically what that meant was I went on a drug called letrozole for like five days, I think. I can't remember how many days, like a week-ish. And basically that made it so that the eggs all grew and matured. And then I would inject myself, I would go in for ultrasounds and they would watch the eggs um, mature and the follicles grow. And then at a certain point they would say, okay, they're at, they're at the right prime moment, do the trigger shot. And what the trigger shot is, is you inject um, a hormone into your belly with a needle and then the neck, it basically forces ovulation. And so what we would do is then we just have, have a bunch of sexism <laughs> right then. And um, um, yeah, so we did that. I think May was when we like pulled the trigger. 
And um, almost immediately, like four days after, I like started feeling sick and was super tired. And so I peed on the stick and it was positive. And I was like, oh, wow. First time it It worked. worked. We're pregnant. This is great. Like exactly as I had planned it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we were due February of 2020 with our first um, pregnancy. Um, So yeah, we were static. We were over the moon. We told everybody like our families um, because they had all been along the journey with us and and then we went, so how it works basically is we got the positive pregnancy test. Um, and then you have to go back into the clinic and they confirm the pregnancy with a blood test and they call that a beta. And it's to track like the level of HCG that's in your blood. And then you go back a few days later for a second beta and they want to make sure that the HCG levels are doubling and that confirms that it's a healthy and growing pregnancy. So we went in for the first one and it was like the numbers were through the roof. It was like super high levels of HCG, which made me feel better about the way I was feeling. And they, and then I had learned that actually high numbers of HCG, especially that early on could indicate twins. Mm. And so I was like, Oh my God, we're going to be having twins. Like this (laughs) is crazy. Uh, is in the back of my mind. Obviously, it wasn't confirmed with an ultrasound yet, but um, we were, we were excited about the p- potential possibility. Um, and just out of curiosity, when you're doing that whole thing that you did with the shots, is it more common to have twins or not necessarily? It is a slightly ele- elevated percentage chance okay. of uh, overnatural, but like very, very, very okay. slightly. The okay. increase in percentage of chance with fertility treatments really comes more in the IVF process. Right. And that's only if you're choosing um, to implant multiple embryos, right. which okay. some people do yeah. um, because of various reasons. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So it was just kind of a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> and uh Yeah. So we went in, we got the first one back and then I had to go um, to San Francisco for a work trip. I remember like texting Anthony on the plane that like, you know, both of us are doing well (laughs) and we're like heading down to San Francisco and I had to get that second blood test to just confirm that everything was growing well. Um, So I had to do that while I was down there for work. So on my way into the office that day, I stopped by a Safeway and uh, went to the lab there and then, uh, went into work and was like super happy, you know, doing my work thing. And, um, around noon, I got a call from our clinic and it was my, um, nurse Angela, who's like amazing. We had become really close and she was just like, Steph, this doesn't look good. Like the numbers didn't double, which is what they want to see. It, it didn't, um, it grew, but it didn't double. And so it was like a really slow rising number. And I just like, it was like a punch in the gut. It was the worst feeling ever. And I was away from home. I was at work. And so I just like immediately put packed up stuff and 
took a taxi to my hotel and I remember I like called my mom and I've just never cried so hard in my life. Uh, it was, yeah, she cried really hard. It yeah. was just, so emotional. I just was so gutted. Yeah. Um, so I flew home. They wanted to do another blood test to just confirm that it wasn't like a difference in the lab. And, uh, so I flew home that day. Like I bought a plane ticket, like within a few hours, I was on a plane home. And, um, then the next day we went in for a blood test and the blood test was basically the same. Again, it had gone up a little, but, um, it was not doing the things that it was supposed to do. And so they told me, you know, I was having a miscarriage and, um, that I basically should just go home and, and wait for that to happen. So, uh, we went to Chelan with my in-laws that weekend and like just tried to relax and, um, just was cried a lot and yeah. just tried to like figure out how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then about a week passed and nothing was happening. Mm-hmm. And so I went back into the clinic and they were like, okay, let's come in. Why don't we have you come in? We'll do more blood work. We'll do an ultrasound and see what's going on. And so they, uh, I went in for the ultrasound, of course, like I'm like shaking. I don't know what we're going to see. And I'm, you know, it's already sad. And, uh, they put the wand in and there was a pregnancy in there. And we were like, they're like, Oh yeah, this looks great. Healthy pregnancy, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what, what's going on? And they're like, this happens sometimes it's called, um, a vanishing twin. So we were actually, we were pregnant with twins and had lost one, which was why the, the numbers dipped like they did, but continued to grow. And so then it was like a whole nother wave of emotions. Like I just released again, like completely like shaking, crying and like, what is happening? Like laughing, all of the emotions at the same time. Um, and how remember, far were you at this point? In- um, let's see. I, it was really, really early at this point. So it was probably like six weeks okay. along. Yeah. yeah, it was super early. Um, because like we, because of the process um, with fertility treatment, like you know everything yeah. to the day. And so those first few weeks are like, they feel so long. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so probably around six weeks and then, yeah, so we called our parents again, celebrated again. Our poor parents have been through (laughs) the roller coaster with us. Um, and, and then it was about a week later. I remember like telling my brother, like asking my brother, like, and you name ideas and stuff like that, like just getting excited. And, um, of course it was kind of weird, like losing one and then having one still, that was very confusing. And then, um, about a week later I was at work and I started having cramps and it was like during the meeting. And then I went to the bathroom and, and there was blood and I was having my period and I, was at work again and had to immediately bolt from work um, and went home and just like 
couldn't believe it that we were like potentially losing the second one. And so we obviously I called the the clinic and they were like, okay, like come in and we'll do an ultrasound. We'll do more blood work. And, um, this time when we went in, I knew like it was enough bleeding where I knew that it was, there was no coming back from it. Um, and so, yeah, the ultrasound and blood work confirmed what was happening. And then we went through grieving the loss again. (laughs) Yeah, it was. And you know, what's crazy is like, I knew some of this actually, like I knew that you had had, you know, a twin pregnancy at one point. Um, but I didn't realize that you had lost one before the other. So I didn't even know that because we, you know, like you said, like we hadn't talked in detail. And I think I maybe heard a little from another friend and it's just one of those things where it's like so hard. You don't want to like bombard the person going through it. But even I'm learning new things now, like years later. Right. So just shows like, I don't know, just your journey that you've been through. And and anyone knows, I, I can attest to like just that sinking feeling when, you know, you get that spotting. Yeah. And you just, you're like, God, no. And I mean, anyone who's been through this, you just, if you had that happen to you, some people don't and they actually have to go in and, you know, get like babies removed and things. But if you've had just that spotting, some people have had spotting and the the pregnancies actually do end up being okay. But even so in that moment, just that terrifying, your heart just like sinks. Yeah. You just have to go through it. Your body's, I mean, on, on one amazing level, it's not amazing, I guess, but your body knows what to do though, which is fascinating. If something's not right in that pregnancy, right? It knows exactly. how to, you know, stop that pregnancy and your body knows how to let it go and heal. And that is, I mean, it is amazing, the, the biological response, but just the emotional toll. Anyone who's listening who's been through that, you just know and you see that and you just, all you can do is is wait and go through it. So exactly. There's no way around it. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, wow. Okay. So this is just the first part of your story. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and that feeling, I mean, it's just such high highs and, and low lows, right? Because like when you get the pregnancy test, like it's the highest high, especially for us, like we had waited so long and like to finally, I've taken so many pregnancy tests because my periods were irregular. And so like, every time we wanted to go out, I would be like, well, I better check to make sure. Just in case. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that negative test so many times yeah. to see a positive one was just like your heart an incredible <laughs> feeling. Yeah. 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 And on the at the same time, like there was an ounce of hope in me, like, okay, like we can get yeah. pregnant. I had that too. That's true. Even as sad as it is, you have that thought of like, okay, at least I know my body can get pregnant. Like there is that, yeah. like, okay, at least there's that answer. It's possible. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Because we try so long, right? For so long to not get pregnant. Oh my <laughs> god. And then when you want yeah. to, you're like, I don't know if I can. So yep. yeah. Yeah. For you sure. knew it was possible and you'd been already through so much and so many different, you know, emotions. And so you you're healing. And then like, and then what was the next step? Yeah. So of course I was like, when can we get on this again? (laughs) Like I want to get moving as soon as possible. And, um, you basically have to wait a whole nother cycle after a miscarriage to just let your body heal. And truly like, I love that rule because I think like your heart needs to heal also. Um, 
we went, we planned like a big trip to Hawaii and like did it up. Like we lived in a van and like <laughs> we're super adventurous and dirty and it was awesome. It was like the perfect thing. I like right after I miscarried, I like was in bed, you know, cry, cry, cry. And then one day I just got up and I went to Home Depot and I bought like every single plant that exists at Home Depot. And I made this huge garden in my backyard. And so that's kind of like my little tribute to them. Yeah. Um, so like little things like that, that can help you heal. Um, and like also just like acknowledging that it existed for me, that was, that was important. And, and that's why like the garden, uh, worked and, made me feel good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then, so we waited the cycle, we did the Hawaii trip. Um, and then we did another round of the same exact protocol. So more drugs, more injections, and this time it just flat out didn't work. And at this point I'm having thoughts, like I, I read some of my journal entries, like trying to remember some of these things. And I was like, what if, what if this doesn't work? Like there's a chance this doesn't work. Like, am I ever going to be able to hang out with my friends again? <laughs> because we won't have anything in common. Like, uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of a, it was a tough place to be. Um, but at the same time, like Anthony's been such an awesome support and he's always so in the moment and really encouraged me to stay like, exactly in the moment and focus on only the thing that was in front of us next and not get too far ahead of myself. And that was honestly like the mentality that saved me throughout this whole thing was trying to just not focus, not get too far ahead or not plan too far ahead and live life. Because if you put, if I were to put my life on hold for the entire time that we were trying to like make this happen, it would have been such a waste. (laughs) So, and I had so many good times over the last four years. And, um, and also just the stress though, too. Like I had other friends that have had to go through stuff like IVF and stress alone. I mean, maybe not, they don't have the same physical, uh, you know, issues that you had Mm -hmm. with actually, that was why it was hard for you to get pregnant. But I mean, some people just the stress alone could inhibit you from getting pregnant. So it's kind of the thing where you just, yeah, you have to try to just let go and not let that overtake you. One, for your mental health, yeah. but two, it could actually physically inhibit it too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah so that that helped um, going into the next cycle. It also helped like I was really busy at work and just kind of like threw myself into that. Um, and... Yeah. So then our third cycle started in September and we went with the same protocol again and same thing, like four days after the trigger, um, I got another positive pregnancy test this time, very different emotions, (laughs) very curbed emotions. Um, and very much like, well, let this is a good sign. Let's wait and see what happens exactly. next. Yep. As opposed to getting way ahead of myself totally. with the first one, like telling everybody and yeah, yeah, yep. buying clothes yeah. and all this stuff. Yep. Um. So, uh, yeah. So I went in again for the 
the, the first beta test and the first beta test looked good again it wasn't as high as the first one so I was like okay not twins yeah. <laughs> um and then we went in for the second test and the second test again was not quite doubled it was almost doubled okay. like it was very very close okay. it just wasn't quite as high as they would like it to see it and so they actually didn't have me come in for like a following one they were like well let's just kind of like wait and see. And then at the, I think it was at the eight week, um, eight weeks is where you schedule the ultrasound to confirm the pregnancy and you can see a heartbeat at that point. Um, and, and so it was kind of like, don't get your hopes up, but also like, we'll just see where this goes. And so that's kind of what I did was just like sort of excited, sort of not excited. Um, I went on like a girl's trip to Palm Springs and just tried to relax and think good thoughts. And I actually like had so much fun being pregnant with um, that pregnancy. I, of course, all my pregnancies are girls in my head, even though yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I named that one Ladybug. Aww. And uh, yeah, we just like, I, I don't know. I had, I was really happy during that. Yeah. Pregnancy. And then um we went in for the ultrasound at eight weeks and the pregnancy wasn't growing. And so it was basically like there wasn't a heartbeat. There it hadn't really grown past the initial stage. Okay. Um so we basically just waited for my body to do its thing again. Um it was really hard again. It's not, it's hard emotionally, but it's also like physically they're really miscarriages are really uncomfortable and really painful. <laughs> so there's a lot of heat packs and, um, cozy time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just again, kind of thinking like, okay, well, where do we go from here? Um, so in my head, I was like, I'm done with this letrozole trigger protocol. Yeah. Clearly, like something else is wrong with like the egg quality or whatever is getting implanted isn't healthy. And so um, I was ready. I was like, we're doing IVF. Like, I'm done with this. We had said we were going to go four rounds. And I was like, three is plenty. Yes. <laughs> I do not want to have another miscarriage. Um, and that's when we decided to to go ahead with IVF. And so we had to wait the whole, the next cycle. Um, and then, so that brings us to 2020. <laughs> the, the year. <laughs> the year. Yeah. yeah. So um, in order to start IVF, it's like a whole process. Like you have to figure out like where the funds are going to come from. Like thankfully our insurance was a big help. Um, IVF is super, like definitely a privilege. It uh, is yeah, not a joke. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of money and it's not easily accessible for everybody. Yeah. Um, so I feel super lucky there. Um, yeah. So you do that and then you have to go through all of this like legal paperwork as well, because like you're basically creating, um, these embryos in a petri dish and then they get stored um so any embryos that you don't use end up getting stored and so you have to make decisions like 
if you get divorced, what happens to the embryos? Yes. If you die, what happens to the embryos? And um, so that was a, a super interesting process. And then we started in February. And um, the first step of IVF is uh, egg retrieval. And in this, this part of the process is really what they call IVF. And then the second part of the process is called, um, at least for me, it was frozen embryo transfer. So that's where they take the embryo and they actually put it into the uterus. Um, some people do a fresh transfer, which is like basically right after they make the embryos and grow them a little bit, they will put them in. Um, we decided to go frozen because we wanted to do um, genetic testing. And I'll explain a little bit about how that all works. But um, so yeah, the first part was egg retrieval. And so you start with two weeks of birth control pills of all things, oh, okay. which it's funny, like looking back on my notes and everything, uh, the birth control was like the worst part of all of it for uh, me. Like the hormones from the birth yeah. control were wacky. <laughs> um, so you go on birth control pills and then you take, um, uh, you start injections that basically like do the same thing that they mature the follicles and create as many follicles as possible. Um, and then the idea is that you go into the egg retrieval surgery after you've like plumped up all of these eggs, they collect as many eggs as possible. And then in, um, and then they inject, um, each of the eggs with a sperm manually through a microscope, which is incredible. Um, and then they basically watch those, um, fertilized eggs, I think they call them zygotes, grow to five days. And at five days, they become a blastocyst. So they, they watch the cells multiply into a certain number of cells, and then they become a blastocyst. And when they reach the blastocyst stage, that's when they take a cell sample and send it off to genetic testing. Okay. And when do they freeze them? So they freeze it right after the, they take the cell sample and do. So it's um, already been like fertilized and starting to multiply and then they freeze it. Yep. They freeze it at um, five days or I think they freeze it at six days. It's so crazy that they can freeze it and it can like continue to like then become alive again. You know what I mean? Like it feels like it was alive and then they stopped it and then it can start again. That's amazing. It's it's seriously amazing. It's the whole thing. The whole process is like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. So they sent it off to the lab or like yes. the cells. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we went in for the egg retrieval and I think this part is super important okay. for people to understand too, because like, it's crazy the numbers and how, and this goes to show like why probably I had so many miscarriages. So from the egg retrieval, I was able to get 37 eggs, which is an insanely high number. Yeah. It's very, very good. Some people go in and get like five. Okay. Um, or even less. So I was able to get 37 eggs, which is crazy. Um, and then out of those 37, 20 of them, um, fertilized and became zygotes. And then out of the 20, only six made it to day five blastocysts. So six of those were then sampled and then sent to genetic testing. And then we had to wait 
I think two weeks to, to get the results of that and, or like 10 days, something like that. And then we got the call and out of those six, four were um, genetically tested normal. So out of 37, yeah. four. That's, <laughs> see, that's interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that probably explains, at least for me, why things weren't, weren't working um, because probably an unhealthy egg was um, the one that was getting fertilized. Um, Yeah. So that was interesting. Um, Yeah. So we got the genetic testing back. What's cool about genetic testing is that you also get the genders. (laughs) Uh, Yes, that's true. Yeah. If you want, right? Only if you want though, you could, uh, you could just tell them like do whatever and not pick. Yes. They yeah. can cover it up on sure. when they show you the information, okay. they'll yeah. cover it up or yeah. whatever. Okay. Um, and then, yeah. So of course I wanted to know because yeah. I wanted all girls. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we got, uh, three girls and one boy. Okay. So I was stoked. I was very, very happy. Um, and yeah, I think at that point I was just like, sweet, like let's get the show on the road. Like when can we put them in? Um, of course, after the egg retrieval, especially because I had so many eggs, they like wanted to make sure that my body had healed. Um, so I took, uh, another cycle off more waiting. Yep. And then we, um, were scheduled early April to start, uh, the transfer process. And of course we all know what happened February, March, um, <laughs> the world shut down. <laughs> Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So then we were like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen here. Obviously we're learning with the world, like what the heck is going on? Yeah. Didn't want to put ourselves at any higher risk. Um, wanted to be able to help people because we were young and healthy if, if need be. Um, so for all those reasons, we decided in March, like to just cancel the transfer indefinitely and that was kind of a very strange process like so we we canceled ahead of um the fertility fertility clinic actually shutting down and they they actually stopped everything um for a while um and yeah and it was really interesting because at that time like it was actually kind of nice. Like the pressure was off. There was nothing I could do about it. Yeah. We were at home. We just like had fun. We like had beers. I was going to say, at least you could have some cocktails and drinks. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I could not, I mean, I'm happy. I was pregnant during yeah. that time, but like, it's hard if you, if you like a drink or two and COVID uh, not being able to drink and you're at home all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so that for was a sure. silver lining. <laughs> With a silver lining, yes. I like we went on a ton of walks, like uh bike rides and just try to just, enjoy your time together and yeah, gardened, puzzled like everybody else, yeah. and and hung out and I think also like just kind of I mean, we were super lucky because we were working from home and you know, we have a, a home with a backyard, a place to get outside, and so we were like feeling like kings during that time honestly very grateful um yeah it was it was it was good and I actually remember seeing you during that time uh 
We had another friend that was actually pregnant and had her baby in May. So I think I saw you in April. So it was obviously in the yeah. thick of COVID. We did a socially distanced outdoor little baby shower for our, our friend, a mutual friend. And I had just found out I was pregnant a month. Oh, I think at that point I was like 11 weeks pregnant. Yeah, you were almost 12, I think. Yeah. yeah. And so I'd had the previous miscarriage a month off, got pregnant, and then we saw each other. And I knew you'd been going through everything. And I think you told me there, like, You'd started this process, but you were putting it on hold. And I just remember, you know, trying to be like humble about my kind of like announcement. I think that's when I told you guys, maybe or maybe my friend had told you guys before. But anyways, I remember you though, still being like cheerful. And I remember saying something to you like, like, this is going to happen. It's, I, I feel it. And you were positive And I don't know. I just remember that moment and like thinking back to that now, like, I don't know. It just like makes my heart so happy because I know what mm-hmm. happened, but like you were still happy. You were happy for me. I knew there was going to be a baby in your future. And I don't know. I just, that yeah, hope, keeping that hope alive. Like, and yeah, exactly. And I think I just felt super good because our, our mutual friend was having a, a little girl. Yeah. Uh, I think you had just found out yep. you were having a Genetic girl. Testing. Yeah. And I was like, I'm having a girl. Yeah. <laughs> And because you did you squad. you knew at that point that you had the girls, yeah, you knew you told me that. Okay, so you yeah. you had hope because you had these little eggs that had been fertilized and they were waiting for you. And I don't know, I just remember that moment, and so it just makes me yeah. happy that there was like that glimmer of, of hope. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It was also in that time like we were all kind of you know I was super. It's good to see and... each other too, like after not seeing people yeah, for a like, couple months. Humans. <laughs> Totally. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so that was, um, I believe, April. It was. It was exactly because. Yeah. Um, so I remember um, our mutual friend's sister, who works at the yes. clinic, yeah, said, <laughs> told me she said, "Hey, you need to call because I hear that they're going to start opening up, okay, uh, or start doing some transfers." Okay. And at that, um, at the baby shower, and that's when I was like. What? Yeah. Like there's a possibility? <laughs> Getting the steer going, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So and it was a few days before my birthday. And so and then I was gonna be 35. And so I called like the very next day and they said they were gonna start doing transfer protocols um only for people that were over 35. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, my birthday's in two days. Yes. <laughs> Put me on the list. Seniority. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So we got on the list and um, started in May. We started um, the protocol for transfer and transfer protocol is a doozy. (laughs) It's uh, so you start with estrogen pills and you take those three times a day. And then about a week before the transfer, you do, you start progesterone. And with those, you have to do like vaginal suppositories and injections multiple times a day. Um, A lot. Yeah. And then you go in for monitoring like a couple times a week because you want, they're trying to check the the thickness of the lining to make sure that it's like the perfect home for the embryo. And so... We went through all of that. And of course, Anthony's like not able to go to any of these appointments or anything at this point. Um, 
And then it was our transfer day. It was like June 11th. And I went in in the morning and it was so weird because Anthony like drops me off yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, he's like waiting in the garage. I'm like, all right. I, I remember saying to him like, all right, BRB, I'm going to go pick up our kid. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Oh, wow. So that is crazy. Yeah. And so I walked in and they like put you in the, in the bed and like they get your legs up. And it is seriously the coolest experience of my life. Like it, uh, so basically they like they check out the uterus and then they show you so the lab is attached to the room that you're in. And so they open the door and then they show you the person with on the microscope is there. And then there's a TV that's reflecting what's showing on the microscope. So in the microscope, you see your little embryo. So you got to watch the procedure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. I didn't know that. That's cool. It's so, so cool. You got so to you see your baby. Them. Like yeah, I saw the exact second I got pregnant. That it was neat. Um, yeah. Wow. So you see the little embryo, you get a picture of the embryo. I have it back there. <laughs> um, and they suck it up into a little catheter. Mm-hmm. And then they, you, they hand it to the person in the actual room. And then with that catheter, they go through the uterus and they find like a really nice mm-hmm. cushy spot. And then they um, release it and, and, and then you just kind of like sit there for a minute. And, and yeah, it, I was like wow. super nervous. Like, do I like do anything? Avoid jumping around and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, explain to me. It's like a piece of sand and a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> like it'll just, it sticks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it does it immediately implant pretty much. Does it find a place and it. I think it takes uh, really, really soon. Okay. Yeah, it can take up to a day, I think. Okay. Um, wow. And yeah, so okay. sometimes, or maybe even longer, I'm not sure yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so there's, yeah, and then I got, I like, took my picture. I was like, I'm pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they call it uh, Poopo, pregnant until proven otherwise. Okay. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. So then you have to go through what they call the two week wait. Mm-hmm. And so that's really to see if it like fully implanted and stuck and everything. Okay. And there's this like really fun old wives tale that is in the IVF community where like, if you have McDonald's fries specifically after a transfer, it's like good luck or it's oh. supposed to make the baby stick or something. And yeah. some people like claim all this science, like it's elevated sodium that <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whatever. It's just a superstition, but it was a fun one. And we like told a bunch of people to like, go have fries that day. And, um, yeah. So we had our fries and we just hung out and waited for a couple of weeks. Um, of course I wasn't going to wait the whole two weeks. (laughs) I, I thought I was going to, and then four days later, I was like, I need to pee on the stick and see what happened here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was like five days, I think actually after the transfer that I got a positive pregnancy test and, um, yeah, I again was cautiously optimistic. Um, after that first time, I don't think I'll ever like be that level of excited ever again. Um, and then with IVF, you continue taking those medications for three months, the full three months of, um, 
full first trimester basically of the the pregnancy which is a lot a lot of injections and everything so because you basically have to maybe for some people that don't that's why it's amazing you're being so detailed because some people don't know this how this works if you're thinking about doing it or you have people that have gone through it now you can understand but i had a friend actually uh do this. And I think she said roughly you're about like five months, I mean, five weeks pregnant, like when they implant it, like your body, right? Like it's at that like level of what it would have been, right? Is that correct about? Yeah. So they, I think it is, let's see. I have to think through how the math actually works. Yeah. When they implant it, you are technically already like five or so weeks, something like that. I, I honestly don't I think, know. You know, you, <laughs> I don't remember. Some of us, if you just get pregnant naturally, like think about all the time it takes to like have the sperm and the egg and they need and then they implant and there's a certain amount of time where that sits there and then it starts to multiply. And anyway, yeah. so you- So if you get pregnant naturally, you are, you are implanting, you're like having sex and getting pregnant at two weeks already. Yes. So you're already two weeks yeah. along and when you get pregnant naturally. Weeks. I think it's like four or five with IVF. Okay. And then you obviously have to, continue to take all these hormones to make your body like think that it's pregnant because you just like implanted this thing. Whereas everybody else that would be naturally like your body would start, you know, distributing yeah. all those hormones. So you have to exactly. give yourself those hormones. That's why it must just be like, it's overwhelming to keep track and do all the things, but then it's obviously like amazing science. You can tell your body like, okay, let's get this going. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep, exactly. Okay. So you yeah, continue we, taking your hormones for three months and then does your body realizes it and kind of takes over naturally? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, we took our, we did injections in like so many random places <laughs> almost three months. Um, yeah. So we we're doing that. We, so we still had to like, there was still like all the milestones that we had to hit, right? So the first milestone was again the eight-week ultrasound um, to see the heartbeat. Um, another milestone that we hadn't passed yeah. in the in the past. Yep. So we, after the first um, blood test, because you go through the same thing, you do the beta blood test after two weeks, and the beta blood test was was. Actually, for us, um, this is actually pretty interesting because, again, it was a really low number, our first beta. Mm. And so I was um, pretty like, you know, oh, no, we're having the same issue, even though we went through IVF. And um, and then we went through the second blood test and the number was tripled okay. what it was. And so we were like, this is a good sign. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And um the nurse who's with me at um, SRM, the reproductive clinic was like super stoked. And she said, this is like really positive looking. And so then the next step was the eight week ultrasound. And we decided that we were going to like the numbers, the COVID numbers in the area had kind of dipped at that point during the summer. And we were like, let's do a road trip to Montana and like, just try to relax and like get outside and um so we did that and I was you know like newly pregnant which was fun and like took pictures holding my little belly and then um one of the days like we were back at our uh, Airbnb and I spotted again and I started bleeding and it wasn't like a little spot it was like the same as before and so I was like convinced that I was miscarrying again and 
all those same feelings again. We went to the emergency room in Whitefish. Yeah. And thankfully they saw us because they were like, you're from Seattle. Like we haven't had any COVID cases sure. here. Seattle's like epicenter. <laughs> um, but they let us in and they did some blood work and then um they did an ultrasound. And at this point I was like seven weeks along or something like that. So super early. And as soon as he put the thing in, like we saw the heartbeat, oh, like full on heartbeat and was immediately relieved by that, but also like worried about what was yeah. going on. So I had a subchorionic hematoma, which is a very common thing also, which causes some bleeding in early pregnancy. Okay. Um, so then we had to be monitored for that. Like we went home immediately after that. We we're like, yeah. <laughs> we just need to go home, yeah. make sure everything's okay. And, uh, then we like, then we had ultrasounds back at the clinic, like basically every week at that point. And then one day they were just like, they handed me a book that was like pregnancy and childbirth. And they were like, you're on your way. You're good. <laughs> I was like, what? They're like, who's your OB? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Gotta find <laughs> so one. then I got transferred to the, to the real deal. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And anyone who. Who knows when you hit that 12 week mark, Ooh, a lot of that stress and worry goes away. Cause it's, it's, I mean, the, the, the percentage of miscarries, you know, miscarriage goes way, way, way down once you've hit that 12 week mark. So yeah. anyone who's first time pregnant, or if you've been through a loss, so when you hit that mark, you just have that like ah, sigh of relief. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know about you, but like, for me, it was like, each milestone, there was a new milestone I needed to hit. It was like, okay, first I need to hit that 12 week and then I'm going to feel good. And then I was like, I don't feel good. Now I have to hit 20 weeks. Now I have to hit 24 weeks. It's just like, thank God, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's funny because you for so long worry about like keeping this pregnancy and keeping it in. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh my God, I have to get it out. Yeah. <laughs> it like switches over yeah. to birth. Yeah. And then suddenly it switches to, I have to take care of a human. Yeah. The whole process is crazy. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. And so yeah. then the rest of your pregnancy was healthy and. Yeah. The rest was super healthy and went great. Good. Yep. And then through, through COVID, um, we were both pregnant through, through 2020. What a year. No, what a year. <laughs> but indeed. it was actually yeah. a good year uh, for anyone else that's been pregnant. You would, I think maybe you would agree unless you had like really high anxiety, but if you're at home a lot, like it was a good time to be pregnant. Cause we were already all at home. You weren't feeling your best to work from home. Like it was kind of, it was a silver lining and even having the baby. Um, Absolutely. At home, you're at home anyways all the time. So it's kind of like a perfect time, I think, to have a baby. <laughs> Yeah, I know for you guys too, like for us, it was such a good transition to parenthood because if we had gone from our normal, like social, active, travely lives to uh, having like a newborn, we would have been for a real shock. Totally. I know, but we were kind of already used to being at home and yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So then when, what, when did you have your baby girl? Yeah. So she was born... At two twenty one twenty one. Oh wow! Which is a really fun. Numbers. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love it. It's a really fun birthday. Um, she we were induced at twenty nine or, yeah, uh, uh, thirty nine weeks. Okay. And 
we were supposed to come in on the Saturday. And so the Friday night we like had our last meal and it was like this big supper that we had prepared and, um, and we had some wine, which was great. (laughs) And then I was like getting ready for the next day, you know, like kind of cleaning up and stuff. And I got a phone call and they were like, do you think you could come in tonight? Actually, we're pretty slow. And oh, wow. We were like, oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anthony was like drinking water really fast. Yeah. So we're up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Having a baby. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, yeah. So she was born on the 21st and wow. it was a crazy experience. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. So see, after all of that, you had your rainbow baby and it's a positive yeah. story, but man, you had a, you went through a whirlwind to get there. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting too, to like, you know, cause all this time I've been like on all these message boards and Facebook groups. And, uh, just last week I shared the video of our story, um, on social and like the response was like, so shocking to me and like overwhelming and like such a positive and loving response. And I guess for me, like being involved in that community, like our story really is so average. Like there are, uh, there are just so many people going through this. And I think if there's a positive in all of this, it's that like, you know, having some empathy for a whole host of people that are out there um, going through this is pretty wild. It is wild. Wow. Yeah. Something we had talked about, we wanted to include too, was just like, how do you support, you know, now that you've been through this, like, how do you support someone that's going through this? Because sometimes you kind of feel like when you're on the other side as a friend or a family member, you know, you can only say so much or be there and you just kind of feel like you don't know what to do. Do you ask questions? Do you not? Do you not say anything? Like, you don't know how to approach it. So like, what would your advice, I guess, be for people? Like, how do they best support you going when you're going through that? Yeah, it's a super tough one. And I definitely like feel for people that um, are close with anyone going through this because it's a really touchy subject and um, it's hard to know how somebody's going to respond. But I think just, you know, if they're willing to share with you what they're going through, just being supportive in a way of like, I'm rooting for you and um, I'm here for you and I'm in your corner. Um, I think the thing really not to do is to like offer up advice or, um, or tell, you know, like a lot of people will often like say like, Oh, I know my friend who just like went to Hawaii and like they tried for seven years and randomly it it got pregnant. Like those kinds of stories and stuff can be a little bit like disheartening. Like they know, believe me. Yeah. I don't (laughs) Um, want to think about trying for seven years. (laughs) Yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah. It's hypothetical, but yeah. No, no. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I think just like, just saying that, like listening to them and asking questions, I think is totally appropriate. And, um, if they're willing to talk about it, if not, then they'll tell, like, you'll know that they don't want to talk about it, but, um, just rooting, say that you're rooting for them and that you're in their corner and that you're hoping the best for them. And, um, and then I think giving them grace, like, in a lot of situations, I think it can be really hard, especially if this journey lasts for a long time. You know, um, if you're inviting them to a first birthday party or a baby shower, don't stop inviting them to those things. Yeah. But like, do give them grace if they like make up a random excuse and don't want to go or whatever. 
Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is like self-care stuff. Like if you know that they're having like a big day coming up, like egg retrieval day or transfer day, like send them like a good, good luck charm or like a Epsom salt bath yeah. pack or chocolate or something like that. Like yeah. those are always like, just know that we're like in your corner. We're thinking about you. Um, that's kind of the advice I would give for that. That's really good. Wow. And I think too, just like, I know when I was having like my miscarriage, I, I knew it was happening. And of course, you know, I had friends that were, I'm on that app, Marco Polo. And uh, one of the gals had already had two miscarriages. She has three kids now. And she was like, that happened to me too. Like, I, I don't want to be like grim, but she's like, just know it's a possibility. Cause I was like literally going through it and I'm like, what do I do? And she's like, be positive, but like, just know it could happen, but I went through it. Like you're going to be okay. And then another friend that was like, it's okay. Like you're pregnant until you're not, you know, everyone has their different. And then I remember talking to yeah. our friend that had the baby shower in April and she'd also had that happen. And she's like, you know, it just like helped talking to someone who had been through it. Like it's so hard, but like you will get through it. And they both had had other babies, which gives you hope. And I don't know. I just think there are people that can't ever have a baby. So I do want to be sensitive to that too. Like we're talking about, mm-hmm. we've had rainbow babies, but let's acknowledge that there are people that will not have success with IVF or won't yep. be able to have access to that. Um, so, you know, honoring those people too. But I will say with science, it has given the gift of babies to many. And um, I think just if you're going through it to like hang in there and know that, you know, even us, like we still, you have two losses or three technically because you had twins. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a ba- beautiful baby girl now, but you still – have those losses in your heart and everyone deals with that differently. And I have my loss and I know plenty of other moms that have had losses and those don't go away. But of course, with time you heal and it is easier when you have a child, but um, just to honor the loss. And I think everyone has a different story and um, no one, no story is the same, but knowing that we're here together and there's so many people that have gone through it, like you said, like I just thousands, probably millions of people, of course, millions. I mean, look at the world population, millions of people that have gone through this. This is, sadly, it's normal and infertility is on the rise. And uh, that's a whole nother topic of why is that happening? But uh, it is our current reality. And so I just think I appreciate you taking the time and being so detailed because I hope someone who's listening can, you know, if they don't have someone to talk to about it, like it is normal. A lot of people are going through it. Even if they don't talk about it, people are going through it and uh, you are not alone. You're not alone. Uh, For sure. And there's always, and I think just having those details too, like can help somebody, even if they're not going through it, if they know somebody going through it, you know, like understanding that there is a difference between egg retrieval and transfer or something like that, even having that to be able to, like ask more specific questions might be helpful because sure. it is so overwhelming. Um, and it's not just to like, oh, explain to everybody all the time. Like, yeah, like you got injected the- and you just like got pregnant. It's like, no, there's like months of like tests and like shots and like hormone levels. And even just yeah. normal people that have been not normal people, people that have been lucky enough to just have normal pregnancies. Even yeah. me, like, I mean, I had to go in and get the same thing as my levels checked after the miscarriage and yeah. you know, the numbers would drop and like, okay, your body yeah. is terminating and da da da. But each time you have to go in preparing yourself for that emotion and, and then you are pregnant again and having to go in and get the blood draws and the test, it just after a while, it does kind of become very 
emotional. There are highs and lows. And so just, yeah, understanding that when people are going through that, it's not just a, a simple, well, you got inserted with babies. Like it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But for it's, sure. it is amazing. And thank goodness for science and um, our bodies are incredible. Like to be able to get pregnant. And even when we miscarry, like I said, our bodies know what to do and then being able to heal and then get pregnant again. Like that in itself is just beautiful. And wow, to be so grateful for our bodies uh, to yeah. produce another human. <laughs> yeah. I think we all came from like those little clumps of cells, this one right here. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Uh, so your story is very touching. And um, again, thank you for being so vulnerable. I hope that um, it has touched, I know it's touched me and many in your life, but I hope anyone who's listening, uh, you found some value and learned a few things um, from this. And yeah, any like closing comments just like to kind of spread the hope for anybody that might have gone through this or anything else you'd like to say? Yeah, I think I'd just like to say that Life has so much to offer and don't get too focused on one thing or too down about one thing because, um, yeah, even if you're struggling and there's, there's so much other things to, to offer and try to focus on those things and true. stay hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to be grateful for. Um, yeah, for sure. Wow. Thank you so much for having oh, me on and letting sure. me tell my long, crazy yes, story. But like I said, even me who knows you and others that will <laughs> listen that know you. And then of course people that don't like learned a lot about what you went through and um, just a lot of women are going through similar things and everyone's story is so different. So respecting each yeah. one of our stories is very important. Um, yeah. And it should be told if you, if you are feeling alone and you are inspired, if anything, to talk to somebody, you don't have to go through this alone um, and you do not have to be ashamed either. Um, so reach out to someone. I think that's a huge thing uh, for healing. For sure. So, for sure. Um, okay. Well, thanks, Steph, for your story. And I'm so happy for you. Congratulations on Lenny. Thank um, you. And yeah, I'm just really happy for you and Anthony that after such a crazy story, it, it did all work out and it was worth the wait. I would, I'm, I'm going to put the words into your mouth because I, I know too. Uh, another thing is we're, we're not spring chickens, but at the same time, you know, yeah. <laughs> age has increased over the years of pregnancy, but both of us 36 with our first, first mm -hmm. baby. I know we feel like we were some of the last, and I know there's still people in our age that are older that haven't. Um, but again, like we all are on our own path. And, uh, for those that are, are, you know, wanting that it's possible. So it's worth the wait. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's been really fun. <laughs> it's very fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening today. And um, of course, you can always find more information on my podcast at lauren.live. I've got all the platforms listed. If you're listening to this um, on Apple or Spotify, we actually have a video version on YouTube. Uh, so if you're watching on YouTube, obviously you've seen our faces, but if you uh, want to check out the video, check YouTube. And of course, you can find me on Instagram at Live. And um, yeah, thank you again, Steph, for your story. No problem. See ya. See ya. Take care, everybody.